Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. All right, Thrive. Good to be with you guys today. Fall kickoff 2015. As I said before, it was three years ago that we officially launched uh, Thrive Church, our grand opening service, and it's exciting in three years what God has done. Uh, The Lord has been gracious and kind. Um, If you were at that first grand opening service in 2012, lift your hand up. Let's just see how many. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, just a handful of people here. That that was our, our grand opening service, so that remember what it was like. So you get to sit in cushy chairs, but back in that day and time, we had four different types of chairs. And if you got here late, you sat in metal chairs. Um, want to do that again. Some of y'all get here earlier if we start doing that, right? Just a joke. It's okay. Awesome. Well, glad to be the day, here with you today. I am a Dolphins fan, unashamedly. There's my, my Dolphins logo. Um, I pull for the Dolphins. I love the Dolphins. also love the NC State Wolfpack as well. So all you haters out there can continue to hate. Um, don't forget, after our worship experience, if you still want to get family photos with your team jerseys, and, and your shirts and do that, man. It's a fun time. Um, you know, we do the pretty photos on Mother's Day. If you're dressed up, we ain't taking a picture of you. You've got to have your jersey on. It's got to be like, you know, football or basketball stuff. Um, but they'll be in the multi-purpose area after the uh, worship experience today. You'll get a chance to take pictures. And then we'll also have giveaways at the end of our worship experience. Um, so make sure you don't duck out during the salvation time. We're talking about how to get saved, get prayed for. And you're like trying to get out of here because you either are too saved or not saved enough. So um, you're ducking out. Hang around because we have free giveaways at the end of that and um, just man this is a good time of the year it's time for you to get kind of get back in gear people are looking to get back involved in church again the vacations are over summer's over falls in the air and so it's a good chance to get just uh, uh, ready to serve God man it's gonna be a great end of this year well today we have a message for you out of our third week of our series um, called Outlasters and it's called Faith on Fire and this series, um, we usually do a couple of what we call balanced life series. Um, we just did a verse by verse series. We went straight through First Timothy. We're going to do Jonah next month, verse by verse in Jonah. But this series here is dedicated to help you either with a balanced life, we either do finances, we do relationships, or we do family. And this one really is focused on the family, Outlasters is. How do you, how do you position yourself to raise up the next generation? So no matter where you're at in here today, you may say, I'm just like, you know, 20-year-old single person. I don't need to know any of this. You, yeah, you do. You need to know, learn it now. You may say, all my kids are out, and I, I, think, I, I think I didn't do too good of a job with half of them. Um, they're out of the house. Uh, this doesn't matter to me. This message and this series has a bearing on all of us. And so let's go ahead and turn to Psalm 112, uh, verses 1 through 4. And we'll also look at verse 6. That's, that'll be our scripture for today. Psalm 112, verse 1. See, you're here today because somebody invested into you, right? right. You're here today because someone shared the gospel. There was probably an, an influential person in your life that helped you spiritually. It could have been a, 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 your mother, your father, a grandmother, grandfather. could have been an aunt, an uncle. could have been a school teacher. could have been a Sunday school teacher. If somebody or people invested in your life, and that's why you're here. I had grandparents, as I told you before. If you were here Wednesday, we're doing a series on Wednesday nights called Not Normal. And you got to hear my whole story. Unadulterated whole story, right? If you weren't here then tough luck, but it was pretty crazy. And one of the things I talked about was the influence of my grandparents upon my spirituality. 
Um, I went one Sunday to my grandmother's church. It was Methodist, and we did liturgy, and we said, Amen, after every hymn. And then I went to my other grandmother's church. It was fully Pentecostal, and they kicked over the pews and jumped pews and shouted and hollered and spoke in tongues. And so I got the full gambit. It's like every week was something cool, you know? Stained glass and Amen. Then you get like, you know, ladies in buns running around, and nobody wore makeup. It's really, really culturally kind of... I was sitting in the back, and I was just fascinated by it. And I was sitting in the back and fascinated by my Methodism. But one thing I realized was my, my grandparents were serious about their faith. And they really loved the Lord. And that's what impacted me. So I want you to realize that somebody took time to invest in your life. And friends, if you today have someone under you, around you, don't you realize that you need to invest in their life? Because your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews are going to live at 50% of the rate which you live for Jesus. And if they see just a religious, let's just go to church, let's just do this, we're just going and kind of going through motions, then they're going to do the same thing. And the reason this is dear to my heart is I talk to a lot of parents. They get their kids into their 20s and their kids are strayed from the Lord and they're begging me to like help them. Can you please help them? And I'll do anything I can. We'll do anything we can. But that's not the time you want to help them. It's when they're young. It's when they're young. That's why I thrive, and you'll hear this later, we don't babysit kids. Why don't you put a speaker up there so we can hear the sermon? No, because those kids deserve to be poured into. Even from an early age, they need the scriptures, they need the gospel, they need to be cared for. I don't need some person staring at the wall trying to listen to a sermon while a baby's being ignored. And all the parents said, Amen. Amen. And so I want you to realize here, today what I want to do is help you ask the question, answer the question, how do we create hunger for Christ in the next generation? How do we create hunger for Christ in the next generation? One of the most spiritual uh, uh, sponsors I had or influences I had was a youth pastor. Who, and I had a couple youth pastors who taught me how to live for Jesus actively. That taught me to hunger for the Lord, to pray actively, to read the Bible. He gave me my first leadership book ever. I read that book five times through and highlighted it. And he helped me create a hunger for the Lord in my life. So how do we do that? Let's, let's first look at the scripture we looked at our first week, which is Psalm 112, verse 1. And it says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful. Say successful. Because we're going to talk about what that really means in biblical light. Everywhere. Successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. And the verse 3 is where we get outlasters from. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will what? Last forever. See, the, the goal is, is to raise successful children, right? Well, I don't have any children. Well, we have children here at Thrive. And they may not be my kids, but I count them as, as kids. I want them to be successful. And that's your goal is to raise children who will be successful. So what does culture say about raising successful kids? Here's what culture says. You ready? Success is raising well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you leave it at that, there's something wrong with it. But that's what culture says. Let's well, raise well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. That's what culture says. But friends, if they're well-educated and they have a 1500 on their SAT, but don't care about Jesus, then somewhere along the line, maybe we haven't done all we can do, right? All right. Somewhere along the line, we've missed it. 
If you raise a kid that's really great at sports, has no integrity, then somewhere along the line, maybe, you know, we've missed it somewhere. See, happiness is not the goal of life. Happiness is the byproduct of fully following Jesus. And when you fully follow Jesus, there's a joy that nothing else can give you. I mean, I have education, 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 and that didn't bring me joy. It wasn't like, yeah, I finished my doctorate. I'm the happiest man alive. (laughs) Right? I mean, there's joy when you first finish your degree, right? You're like, woo! But it's not like six months later, you're like, man, I'm just so happy today. Why are you so happy? I finished my degree. (laughs) I'm educated. Uh, Jobs can't do it for you. Those things all are fleeting. You were so happy about that job you got. And then, you know, two years later, you're looking for another job because all the people are crazy and the cubicles are around you, right? So culture tells us that if we raise raise well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids and we're successful. But see, Jesus said this. He said in Matthew 16, 26, What good will it be for someone to gain the world, yet forfeit their soul? So what good is it for little Billy and little Susie to be on travel teams? And finish top 10 in their class? But if their soul was asked for tonight, they don't know Jesus. What good is it? For us to raise kids that are great in all these areas, but the one area that matters, you're going to spend more time in eternity, friends, than you will on earth. You realize that? You're going to spend more time in eternity than you will on earth. And what good is it just to have well-rounded, happy kids or educated, and then when that day calls for them, they don't know the Lord. And so we have to change what we believe success is. We have to change what we believe success is. And I want some of you and your families to adopt this mission statement and take it to heart. And here's what I want to share with you. Because see, here's what we're called to be as followers of Christ. We're called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. Let's say that one more time. We're called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. We're called, you're going to hear this all the message, to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored anchored world changers. That's what our goal is at Thrive. That's what your goal should be as parents, as grandparents. And that's what you should pray. You should pray for little Billy or little Susie. I don't know if we have any any little Billies or Susies here at Thrive, but I'm going to keep using that name. If your child is named Billy or Susie, I'm not picking on them. If you're named Billy or Susie, I'm not picking on you. But we should should tell them, I'm praying for you to be a Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changer. God has plans for you. And God wants to use you. And God wants to do so much in your life. And you have so much potential. Do you know that, that God picked you and chose you? See, that may not mean anything to you as I'm saying that. I'm going to tell you something. My grandmother, and, and don't, don't you laugh at what she said to me because I know what she meant, but you better not laugh. You know, she was on, on her, her deathbed in 1990. And she had, was dying of cancer. And she told me, she said, son, you're special. And God wants to use you. I told you not to be laughing at me. And she said, and God wants to use you. I strayed from the Lord. I went and did crazy stuff. But I never forgot that my grandmother said that. And I believed her. Like, right? I mean, there's some people you just don't believe. But grandparents, I mean, you can believe grandma or grandpa. I mean, there's, there's some about grandma or grandpa. And she shared that with me. See, you should be sharing with your children that God has a plan for them and God wants to use them. Don't just come to church, but to be the church. 
Today, some of you are arguing in your mind with me. You're like, Pastor Kevin, that's so cool. This is such a great little cute sermon, but I'm just trying to pay the bills. If I can get clothes on them and the shoes, shoes on their feet the right way and get them out the door to school, I'm doing good, right? Do some of you feel like that? I'm just trying to keep my head above water with my kids. It's so hard. And I know it's hard. But I'm telling you, all it takes is one statement a day. Before they go to bed at night, you pray with them and you tell them, God's going to use you. And God's got plans for you. And you're special in the eyes of God. And he called you. And he chose you. And Jesus died for you. That's how much he loves you. And that stuff goes a long way with our children. A long way with our children. That's why I thrive, man. Kids are important. Youth are important. They're not an afterthought. That's why you, look, you go over there and look at VBS, man. Do you understand that, that Bonnie didn't, and her team didn't do that in, in a couple hours? They planned for weeks and months, and it wasn't just to have a big event. It was so those, those kids would understand biblical principles, and they would enjoy church. See, one of our missions is, is this, and that's why people say, well, why can't I just do really bad you know, curriculum and do bad things for the kids? Well, here's my thing. I want kids to love church. Amen? I want them to be like, Mom and Daddy, we got to get back to Thrive, man. It is awesome. Because how many of you, let's be honest today, let's just be honest, you didn't like church growing up. Right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. It was, it was, it just, it was not appealing at all. Didn't understand it. And my goal is not that we lose another generation that doesn't like church, but we raise up a generation that values it, that loves it, and loves Jesus. So here's what I want to do today. I want to talk to you about exposure and what we need to expose the next generation to. Um, you know what I used to do? Um, and, and this is how I helped expose our, our kids to this. And these principles, I, I, I didn't have children. I have a, a seven-month-old little boy. I didn't have children. I was a youth pastor. I was a kid's pastor. But I would go and volunteer twice a week at a local school for a mentoring program. And I would meet with a couple of, of, of the roughest kids in that school that had been kicked out and expelled. And I would spend time with them. We would play some basketball. We'd talk together. We'd spend time together. I don't know where those kids are at today. But I went and did that because I, I believe in investing in the next generation. I believe the next generation matters. And here's what Proverbs 13 says about exposing our kids to the right things. Proverbs 13.20 says this. If you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. So walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Friends, we have to expose our children to environments and our kids to environments that will help shape their life. I talked to a pastor recently about exposure and he was pastoring a church that was, you know, they were always fighting him and they were always angry and always this and that. It was just a bad situation. And his wife made the statement. She said, you know, and they were talking. He says, do you see us raising, I'll use little Billy, a little Billy in this church in the future. She said, no, I don't want him to be raised in this church because he'll hate church. It's the meanest people on planet earth. And you know what happened the next week? They resigned. He said, I refuse to expose my kids to a toxic church. 
Now he's at an awesome, he, he, man, the Lord worked this thing out where I knew some guy that needed a staff member at a very large church, and it, he was right down the road from him, and this guy, like, he's blowing up Facebook how happy he is. But he wanted to expose his child to the right environment, to the right situation. So I'm going to give you three uh, exposures you've got to give the next generation, three exposures here to help them be outlasters. The first one is this, expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. In John 17, Jesus said that this is eternal life, that they know my Father. This is eternal life, that they know my Father. What we have done, and all you that raised your hand and said, yeah, man, I just did not like church at all growing up. What happened was, in a good heart and a good attempt, my grandparents were lovely people. Loved, loved them, right? They taught us rules without relationship. They taught us to obey Ten Commandments, but not the God of the Ten Commandments, to know Him. They taught us to, to make sure you do right and act right, but not to know the God who makes us good and right. And what we have to do with, with, with our, our next generation is not teach them rules of just what to do and not what to do. Now you have to as parents, don't get me wrong. There's yes and there's no. But when it comes to the Lord, you've got to teach them, expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Because here's the deal. Rules without relationship will always equal rebellion. Did you get that? Rules without relationship will always equal rebellion. And so you have to expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Of knowing the Lord personally. Now how, how do you do this man? Be verbally thankful at your dinner table of how God has blessed your family. Don't be obnoxious and preach a 20 minute sermon because you know, they don't like that. That's pretentious. But share with them man look at what God's done for us. Look how God has blessed our family. Isn't this awesome? That we have food and we're provided for. Uh, Take time to share with them what the Lord has done in your life. Pray about everything. If they have a boo-boo, don't just... You know, wipe it down. You okay now? I'm kissing it. And they're like, oh, I'm better. Pray for them. Teach them that Jesus heals and Jesus cares. I don't know what to pray. Just say, Lord, please heal them in Jesus' name. That's all you got to say. It works for televangelists and people send them money. It can work for you too, right? <laughs> you don't have to have this long drawn out, thy father which art in heaven. By thy glory and blessedness will you please. You know, just, just teach them to pray at all times. To pray without ceasing. When thunderstorms are going on, man, pray with them. When a tragedy happens in this nation. Take time to pray with them and, and, and take time to show them how God is at work and God will work in a situation when those things happen. Help them to be exposed to the joy of knowing God personally. Uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle from LifeChurch.tv in Oklahoma, I love what he had shared. He said his family has popcorn and prayer time. Popcorn and prayer time. So you have a bag of popcorn and as they get together to pray, it, once you pray, then you get some popcorn. And you share something you want to pray about. And they'll go around a circle and they'll, they'll pray and they'll eat some popcorn and they'll move to the next one. It's popcorn and prayer time. They do that every week. There's different ways that you can get together and expose your kids or your grandchildren or, or those you're ministering to to know God personally. See, my, my grandparents, they, they told me the stories of what God did in their life. They told me of how the Lord saved them and how the Lord spoke to them, how the Lord did this and the Lord did that. And it created this mystical environment. Like, I didn't really believe in Jesus, but I was like, man, that really? 
They're talking about praying for a demon-possessed guy. My dad, my grandfather wasn't a minister. He was a regular dude that fixed lawnmowers. And they prayed for this guy in the story. I'm not going in depth of it, but uh, I believe my grandfather, right? And I was like, man, I don't really believe in Jesus. That's, that's crazy, man. <laughs> It made it mystical. And my grandmother praying and God answering. And they told me those stories. See, you know, the, the, the worship wars that happened probably 10 years ago. You know the biggest issue with worship wars? Folks in a generation that wanted to hear hymns in church never told the, the previous generation or the next generation what those hymns meant to them. They never stopped and said, man, I'll tell you, when, when we used to sing, I surrender, man, that's when I gave my life to the Lord. And that's why it means so much to me. And you've got to tell those stories and pass down what God has done in, in your life and then also share what God is doing. Help them be exposed to the joy of knowing God personally. Knowing God personally. Um, whenever I did youth ministry, I didn't treat students like students. That was just me. When I did ministry, I had no budget. Seriously, like I had nothing. I'd drive 40 minutes one way just to do youth ministry and 40 minutes home and work three jobs and went to college. But I really believed in my heart that those kids could change the world. I really believed in my heart of hearts that if I invested into them, they could do something great. And one of the things that we did, my wife and I, was we taught them the joy of knowing God personally. We taught students how to journal and pray. How to read through the Bible, how to hear the Lord and journal what they believed the Lord was saying to them. We would come and have prayer meetings and pray and we would seek the Lord together. And today, some of those kids are youth pastors. Some of them are being used mightily by God. Because we expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. That God is not some abstract dude sitting in a chair in heaven watching everything go on. But he is near to us and you can talk to him and he will impact your life. See, share with your family what God's doing. When you leave church on Sundays, talk about what God's saying in your life. See, I think one of the reasons we didn't like church is because you would leave church with, with your, your, your mom and dad or grandparents and you go eat dinner and they, they, would, and they would complain about the church service the whole time. About the pastor, right? Maybe that happened to you, but it happened to us. You're like, man, why do y'all keep going back somewhere you hate so much? That's baffling to me. I, if, if, I go, if I go to a restaurant and it stinks, do I go back? No, but we just keep going back every week like masochists. We just keep going back for the, for the pain that's inflicted upon us. But... <laughs> Share with them what the Lord spoke to you during the message. You know, when, when, when Kevin or Keith or somebody said this, it really, what did you learn in kids' ministry? What's God doing? What's God speaking to you? That's how you raise world changers. Here's the, 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 the next exposure. Expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. But the second exposure is this. Expose them to the presence and power of God in his church. Expose them to the presence and power of God in his church. Talk about the things the Lord has done in your life to them. Share with them over dinner. Say, guys, if you've got a second, I just want to share something with you. Back when I was this age, or, or last week, or last month, share the power of God working in your life. The power and presence of God in the church. And in order to do that, go, here's the thing, you've got to get them in church, right? <laughs> you've got to be in church. Don't negotiate with your kids. Let me help you out. Are you ready? Don't negotiate. Um, let's, let's do a little, little, little uh, survey here. If children have the opportunity to get ice cream or rutabagas, what will children eat, guys? Right? 
do, let me ask you this, and, and, and if, if this is you, then we can actually pray for you. We have a prayer team after service right here. We're going to pray for you. Do you negotiate with your kids whether or not that they can brush their teeth at night? Well, do you want to brush your teeth at night? No. Okay, go ahead. I knew I had no teeth left. Do, do you want to eat pizza all day? Yeah. Ice cream? Yeah. Do you want to go to school today? No. Imagine if we negotiated with our kids like we do church. You want to go to church? You want to go to you want, you want, you want, you want, you want to go to Thrive Church or King's Dominion? They're like King's Dominion. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm not saying never miss church. I'm not saying never have fun. You, they, they need to have fun. Have fun with your kids. Hear me out, okay? So don't don't, don't, don't get, get guilty. Oh my God, you know he saw me on vacation on Facebook and I'm in trouble. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Come, I love vacations more than ye all. All right. But expose them to the power of God and the presence of God in the church. Help them uh, negotiate rightly. You know, one of the things that used to always get me, and Alan can say amen, Alan does our student ministries here, oversees that, is that if kids got in trouble, parents would ground them from church. Still go to soccer practice. <laughs> Still be a cheerleading practice. But you're not going to church this week. And here's the other thing, and I'm going to help you guys out. You may disagree, but you've been wrong before, so I'm, I'm going to help you out. I was a youth pastor, and I saw it. I, I, saw, I saw kids at 12, and now I've seen them at 24. I've been that long. Not only would they get grounded from church, but if things got really, really stressful and they had studying to do, parents would say, well, don't go to church. Take the time, take time off of church. So here's what happened. You can disagree. When kids went to college, guess what? When things got stressful, what they did. Because college is stressful all four years. They stopped going to church. Learn to expose your kids that, man, being involved with a community of believers can help you. And it will empower you. And it will encourage you. Expose them. Expose them to the presence and power of God in his church. In, in, in his church. Expose them to that. As I said before, my grandparents would share stories and talk about how God moved and how God moved in the church and what God did here and what God did there. And I love hearing those stories because it inspires me, right? You remember when, when Joshua and the children of Israel crossed over and they placed 12 stones there as a memorial, didn't they? Why did they do that? So the next generation, so the next generation, listen to me, would be able to say, I, I remember how God worked. I remember how God moved. And I believe that God did it then. He can do it again now. Expose them to that. Model for them. Be consistent. Show that Jesus is first. Here's the, here's the key, guys. If Jesus rose from the dead, you can get up out of your bed. <laughs> right? I know it's tough. I know it's tough. Even for the pastor, it's tough. But if Jesus rose from the dead, you can get up out of the bed. Here's the third exposure that our next generation needs. The third and final exposure. Expose them to the thrill of being used by God. Expose them to the thrill of being used by God. See, kids will have a ton of experiences in life. They'll have the thrill of winning a game. Of the sorrow of losing a game too, right? They may have the thrill of playing first chair in their flute. They may have the thrill of being chosen for awards in, in school. There's a lot of thrills that kids will have. But here's what we have to do. Expose them to the thrill of serving God. Expose them to the thrill of serving God. That's why here at Thrive, Alan works with kids to get their butts serving. Right? To doing things. They, they, they just had like a truckload of clothes for people in Honduras that are in need. 
When we do events, he has kids serving. Uh, that's why when, when kids hit 11, 12 years old in, in, in kids' ministry, Bonnie raises them up to be junior assistants, to teach them to serve. See, on, on Sundays, we want this to be a family thing. Man, you should, guys should come, come serve together. It's like me and little Billy are going to do parking, and, and, and Susie and, and Sammy are going to do some greeting. We're going to serve together as a family. Expose them to the thrill of serving God. Because you can't cry if they're 20 not serving God if you never exposed them when they were 7. Help your kids learn to serve the Lord. Man, I tell you one of the beautiful things that one of our families do, they go out and serve at our food ministry together. Teach your kids to serve those who are less fortunate. To have compassion upon those who are less fortunate. Go out there and pack some bags and, and, and meet with Manny and them, man. And, and, and show your kids that we all go through tough times and that we need to have compassion for each other. Help them learn the gift of serving. Serve together. Teach them about the thrill of serving God. Teach them about the thrill of serving God. Because you know it's an honor and privilege to serve God, isn't it? Really? It is. And imagine if you made it fun. Imagine if as a family you did those things together. But I, I talked to church planters this week and I said the funny thing is once kids get to a certain age and somebody's planting a church, those kids are some of the best workers they have. About 14 years old, 14, 19, man, that's the best crew a church planter has because them kids are going to be playing music and serving and doing kid, everything else, you know. Raise your children with the thrill of serving God. Because here's the deal, man. Kids are not the church of the future. And our students are not the church of the future. They're the church of now. I'm going to tell you something. I sat there and I taught our students several months ago on biblical giving, on tithing. And those kids get it. That it's worship. Those kids get it. Those kids understood, man. Those kids had questions and responses on Wednesday night at 7 when I met with them that most adults just don't get. Never underestimate the younger generation. Because I believe God can use them. Some of you today that are younger in this place, God wants to use you. Because here's the deal, guys. We're not called to to raise well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids, are we? That's good. But here's what we're called to do. We're called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. Can you say it with me? Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. If you can remember stupid lines from a Will Ferrell movie, you can memorize that. As I close, let me just share this with you. We, the Supreme Court didn't take prayer out of schools. You know that, right? We took prayer out of our homes. We took prayer out of our personal life. See, it starts in the home. Don't delegate to a church or to a school to teach your children what you should be sharing with them. Make your spiritual life a priority. Whatever you do know, share that with them and teach them that. Joshua 24, 14 and 15 says this. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Today, I don't know where where you're at. Some of you may be sitting here and saying, Kevin, you know, our kids are grown and we did some things right, some things wrong, some things missing, confusing. We don't, you know, we we failed in some areas. And it's okay. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to start. 
It's never too late to tell your child God has a plan for them and God loves them and, and he is special in their eyes. Well, my kid don't want to hear about that stuff. They want to hear that. They don't want to hear your rules and the things they can't obey, but they want to hear that. And this week may be a week where some of you young families actually start raising your kids up like they should be. You're telling them God wants to use them. You're serving God together. You're exposing them to how you know Jesus and who Jesus is to you. And I believe that the future of our country and Christianity hinges on this message right here. Do we raise up our children to be biblically anchored, Christ-centered, world changers? Amen. If you will stand to your feet. If, uh, just bow your head and close your eyes for the next few minutes. I believe there's several different types of people in here that, 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 that are going to want prayer. So I was praying for this message. I felt there were some that say, man, I feel like a failure. And I just want to pray for you because you're not a failure. The Lord can restore the years the locusts have eaten up. Joel 2.25. Others of you in here say, Kevin, I don't really know if I'm spiritual enough to lead my family. And you're a little afraid. You, you hear this, it sounds good, but how in the world do you do it? How in the world do you do it? How in the world do you do it? How do you lead your family spiritually? I want you today to be encouraged by the Lord. And then the last group today, you know the Lord brought you to church on fall kickoff for this very message. Maybe you don't have children yet. Maybe they're small. Maybe they're teenagers. Maybe they're in middle school. Maybe they're in college. But you know today is the day that you want to implement and raise your kids up to be Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers. If you want prayer today, maybe you're in one of those groups, you say, Kevin, just pray for me. I need prayer. Just lift your hand to heaven. Raise that thing high. I want to pray for you in this place. Amen. Just to be honest in here. Amen. 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 I want to pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for everyone who's just honest in here. For When we are weak, you make us strong. And so, Lord, I pray today, my hands are raised as well, that, God, I want to be able to have the courage to lead and raise my son up, Lord God, knowing that you're not just rules, knowing you're not just a church, knowing you're not just a religion, but you're a living God. You're a loving God and you're a God that cares. I want to, Father, I want to raise my child to believe that you are the God that answers prayers. You're the God that answers by fire. I pray today for those who have that same desire, Lord. Maybe they're struggling with guilt. May today they be relieved of that, for you can restore and you will restore, Father. Maybe today there's people in here, Lord who are scared to death to try to talk about Jesus or Christianity or spirituality or they don't feel like they know enough. I pray, Lord, that they would understand it's the simple things that are said, not the deep things. That they would just say something, Lord. And God, I ask today that there are families in here that I pray that this is a message of alignment. That today they say, Kevin, we're going to align. We're going to align our family with biblical principles. We're going to align our family to know the living God, to serve the living God. And I'm going to step to lead the way. I pray for courage and boldness right now in all of our people in here today, God. 
Father, we know at Thrive Church that we cannot do this on our own. We're not strong enough. We're not good enough. We're not powerful enough. But Lord, it's only by your power. It's only by your might, God. It's only by your might that we can do this. So Father, I pray that we would let the Holy Spirit of God touch our hearts and empower us, Lord, to be able, to be able to be the men and women of God who you called us to be in this place.